Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik Pick Guardian. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you're listening to our show wherever you are. Yes. And whoever you are. And wherever you are. We love you for it, man. Whatever you are. All the, um, all the, all those, all what, the, whoever you are. What, Anyhow, um, Tony and I in the house tonight, yep. and um, everybody else is doing, you know, stuff that's prohibiting them from being here. Which we have is no sad. lives. We have no lives. We have. Well, yes. No, this is our life, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but more importantly, we've got a very special guest on the line. Guess who are you? Bruce Bacon. Bruce. One, one Bacon! more, one more time without the the no turntables. Bruce Bacon. There you go. Super duper Bruce Bacon is joining us tonight. And I am hungry. You've heard. Okay, I'm so glad we got that out of the way. I'm sure he really loves that. Uh, yes. Um, so Bruce is one heck of a supporter of our show, and, and you, oh, yeah. we, we hear his name all the time. We're really grateful that he's out there um, listening and being part of the show and, you know, adding a little bit for you all listening, you know, all the things he comes up with and stuff and sends them our way. You need to thank him real quick here. Thanks, Bruce. A moment for applause. Next. Next. Uh, we're going to we're gonna uh, just get into what's going on in our music world this week. Hmm. All right. Shall we? Yes. We're going to start with the freshly groomed, with your fresh haircut, Tanya Blonsky. No haircut. It looks like a haircut. You came in all, uh, no? Okay. No, I was showered. Okay. But, you know. We're going to start with the shabby-haired <laughs> the showered, Tanya Blonsky. The showered <laughs> Tanya Blonsky. And he's going to start us off, and then we'll check in with Brucey. Well, Todd, I was perusing uh, Guitar World magazine yes. and website, and I ran across something that I thought was kind of interesting. This might actually be a good, interesting guest for us, too. Mm. Um, but there's a, um, a guitar maker in, um, in uh, Italy, in the Tuscany region, called uh, Paletti, P-A-O-L-E-T-T-I, guitars. Like Paoletti? Paoletti. And... Um, Where's Jared when you're... Paoletti! Paoletti! But... Um, they have been making guitars out of reclaimed wine barrels. Ooh. So, and interesting, I've never used chestnut on a guitar, but apparently Only the wine... Only on an open fire. Uh, yeah, 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 with you. Um, but they, um, they've been using these wine barrels now, apparently, for, you know, well, in the wine industry, apparently they use them about 10 times. Yeah. And then they get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So and then, this, then uh, young wives make flower pots out of them and stuff like that. I guess they won't throw any barrel away before no. it's time. Yeah, that's right. Well, and uh, it's a, it's an. I don't an, know that I've ever heard of a chestnut barrel. Like well, it's usually oak barrels. It's in the United States. It United is States. oak because oh, they don't have maybe oak. Oak? Chestnuts might be Chestnut more might common. Might be akin to oak. Um, well, it's supposed to be a, a very toneful wood, mm. according to you know. I, I, I like I said, I've never used one, so I, I can't speak for it. But they do believe that you know it's a very resonant wood, um, and 
Um, well, it would be super dense because it would have been breathing, you know, going all the water transferring and everything. Wouldn't it make it like extra dense and resonant? I don't know. But Tony, this I is like can not tell enough you information for me well, to go on. But the wood itself is between 80 and 150 years old. Outside of the actual cutting, I would imagine. Well, that's yes. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be a thousand years old. One million years it old. It could be. Anyhow. So wait, how did, but th- these are bowed staves. That's what they're called, staves. Yes. Um, how, I wonder if they do it like the. Uh, I think they laminate them. They they put them together. Yeah, they like, glue like them the skateboard together. decks and stuff. Yes. Yeah, like Shoneswood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in, anyhow. Shoneswood, that's your new racket. You go get some some wine barrels or some beer barrels. Now you got does a whole, come in you a got a whole new thing, man. Does it come in? A, yeah, it does a not Cabernet come in finish. one. It does not. They most of the finishes they show are natural, but uh, yeah, I, I was I was actually I thought the same thing because I didn't it didn't look like the wood itself was stained from the yeah. wine. But I wonder uh, if it's a heavy wood. Maybe it's dense. Well, that's what I was saying before. Like other people in this room. Uh, yeah. Ouch. Anyways, they'll, yeah. they'll figure it out. They'll Paletti, figure it out. Yeah. PalettiGuitars.com or just do a Google search. Yeah. Google solves okay. everything. But it's well, worth, what it's are worth the, checking out. What are the stylings of them? Yeah, yeah, typical, you know, Strat, Tele, SG, Les Paul. Okay. Um, but they're 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 kind of cool guitars, and they're you know, made handmade in Italy. Well, all right. With rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> Right. That is a throwback <laughs> commercial that almost nobody's going to get. Chrysler Cordoba. Yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yes, I know you do. Uh, all right. Bruce, please wake us up from this coma that Tony slipped us into. Yeah. So uh, continuing the Italian theme, um, I've been doing a deep dive on an artist that really I hadn't heard hardly any music from Um because Todd, you and I both uh, were raised in the West Coast, and we only knew one song from this uh, artist okay. uh, out west. But if I give a few hints to Tony, I'm sure he'll know who this is. So Italian descent. Mm-hmm. He tours the Ohiovania area, mm-hmm. and he recently turned 80. I know who it is exactly. Do you want me to and? say it? Yes. If you could in Jared's uh, Well, voice. it might be Donnie Iris in the Cruisers. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Look at you, Johnny, on the spot. <laughs> but he, he had to cancel a, a show in Youngstown, which is my hometown. Um, he's apparently having some sort of surgery. Yeah. But they, but yeah, his 80th. a meatball out of his. (laughs) That's the spicy meatball. (laughs) No, apparently he, uh, he, his birthday bash in Pittsburgh was just phenomenal. A buddy of mine went to the show. Um, Donnie Iris. Alia. Yeah. What? That's the. Alia. 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 You you California kid. You probably don't even know this song. Okay. It's a great song. How's um, it go, Tony? Ali, Ali, here we go again. Ali. Yep. He yeah, was originally first four power chords. Yeah. And you'll know that hmm. song. Okay. But yeah. he was originally in a band called the Jaggers, and they did uh, the rapper. Rapper, rapper, rap. They call him the rapper. <laughs> Sounds like. 
Rap, rap, rap. That sounds fake. After. It's sounds, the rap. I feel like I'm being put on right now. Look it up. No, it's real. Okay. Look, it up. Look it up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And actually, he would make a tremendous guest because uh, imagine the equipment this guy has played because he began in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, he can still belt it out. Yeah. And a really underrated 80s artist that uh, – honestly should have been way more successful uh i've been listening to a lot of the different albums and uh yeah at the very least he, he should have been littered over tons of soundtracks in the 80s huh okay yeah, yeah. i'm i don't think i've ever maybe i might hear it, like if i recognize it if i hear it maybe I haven't seen him recently, but I did see him back in the 80s a couple of times because, yeah, as you said, he would go through Ohio and Pennsylvania and, and you know, kind of the tri But he was a area. West Coast guy? No. No. He's from Pittsburgh. But you would only hear that song, Aaliyah, out on the West Coast. That's it. And even though he had other other great songs oh, oh, everyone uh, okay. everyone knew him in in you know ohio and pennsylvania but he just didn't get promoted well enough by his record company i gotcha i gotcha mm -hmm. i thought you were saying the only place you would ever hear this song is the west coast therefore that's why i would know it but no. what you were saying is the only song they played the on, west, on the west coast the only song you would hear by this gentleman is that song yeah. Yes. Ah, yes. 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 And the whole band is really, really good. Uh, and uh, another little tidbit is that the keyboard player and uh, Donnie both were in Wild Cherry post play that funky music. Oh, really? I know that. I did not know. Yeah, that's where they uh, they played together. They met up, and then I think after a year or two, they realized, okay, this this boat's <laughs> gone gone away. It's time to move on and try another project. Jump and the that, shark. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Yeah. And oh, then, that's cool. Uh, and then a little bit uh, later today, I'm probably going to try out – Two new pedals from Catalan Bread. Oh, one's cool. the Formula Fifty Five, and the other is the Bell Epoch Tape Echo. Mm. That's nice. That's a great. That's pedal. a great pedal. I actually Epoch. talked with uh, the guys at Catalan Catlin Bread at um, the um, uh, at the Nam at the Nams the Nam, and they're going to be on the show. So yes. I'm very excited about that. I've just nice. Gotta, I'm just trying to work out yes. when exactly that will happen. Yeah. Another uh, pedal producer from the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Um, they seem How about you, Todd? Well, thanks for asking, Bruce. No, Tony, you got to make him work for it. No, he's he's slowly taking I stole your thunder, Tony. <laughs> got to make him work for it. Yeah. Hey, Todd, what about you? Uh, well, I just got this fantastic book. It's a book. Called uh, Rickenbacker Guitars, Out of the Frying Pan, Into the Fire Glow. Do you know what the reference to that is? Yeah, the fire glow model. Do you know what the frying pan? No, was? I don't know yet because oh yeah, the frying pan is their first their first guitar with the electric. Technically, yeah, yeah. the first, first electric, electric guitar, guitar yeah. but it's more of a. Uh, boy. Okay, so I have to answer all the questions. Um, this is by Martin Kelly. Yes, and Paul Kelly. We've had Martin Kelly on before. Yes, uh, it was great. This is a signed copy. No, we didn't have him on before. <laughs> we were trying to have him on before. Yes, it didn't work out. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, fact checker. <laughs> Leave me out to dry on that one. Uh, uh, 
One in the Tony column. (laughs) Anyways, it's a really great book. And we've been talking about this book for a a little while, especially after our our Rickenbacker episode. Yes. Um, And this is 336 pages of nothing but beautiful, great photography, and lots of fantastic story, including many of the famous people that played these guitars. Yes. I mean, this goes from the very, very, very beginning of... Rickenbacker all the way to present day, yes. pretty much present day. Pretty much. Uh, now I got this from their UK site, Phantom Books. Yep. And I'll just give a plug right here. If you go to Phantom Books, I think it's uh, phantombooks.com. They you can get this, and it might be phantombooks.co.uk. No, it's .com. Oh, it says com? it right there in the back. Okay. I'm the one with the book, Tony. Okay. Anyways. Awesome book. Can't wait to look into it a little bit more. Tony, of course, has two of them because, you know, <laughs> you need two of the same book for some reason. In case the first one. Yeah. Uh, in case the first one breaks. or something. <laughs> one for the home, Words one for the car. Well, actually, there is one for the home and one for my shop. So, yes. True, true. All right. Anyhow, so that was really cool, and it's and it's very affordable. Now, that being said, shipping is not as affordable no. The, the whole, and I'm finding that out the hard way, having to ship. I've been shipping a lot of stuff to the UK lately yeah. from patrons and others, and wow, they everything's doubled. Yeah, but the good news is right now the dollar is strong against the pound. So. Not double. Mm, it's, it's not double. What well, used to be double. <laughs> shipping is a lot of money. Okay. Man, I don't know if it's as much money for them to ship to us, though. That's the only thing thing well so, they probably want to cover all their bases. anyhow so go get yourself one of these books if you're interested um they're also they're also available on uh on the amazon site not no even. they're not no oh wow that's, that's where i got mine I'm pointing them to phantom ah, books yes. interesting and yours is signed too by it, the author it is right signed, yes and i think you can get you still might be able to get signed copies of this so check it out it's 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 a really cool book and we're we're, we are working on trying to get them on the show actually that's why i was thinking that we've exchanged emails with them so i'm not totally out of my head (laughs) yes anyhow speaking of out of our heads boy oh boy what a treat it was to get all of these pedals from bruce bacon he sent over his four on the floor physically physically with with liner notes yes like the he, he did all the settings and everything i mean it was remarkable now, fortunately, I have a box of tour gear patch cables. <laughs> I did the same thing when I got I to like, my house. Well, I guess you did not include your tour gear design patch cables <laughs> when you provided the pedals to me, Todd. No, so I fortunately, didn't. I had a box of them myself. Perfect at home. Perfect, and so I just kind of set up a little board, and then <laughs> then I hooked them all up with the tour gear cables, and then I realized. Because I, I tried to pick it up and they just it was like trying to put marbles on a on a drink drink tray. I was like, whoa, whoa, they're going everywhere because <laughs> they were they they didn't have Velcro. No Velcro. No, yeah. So I said, oh, I got to be careful with this. But well, tell me more about the the tour gear design patch cables. Well, the ones I got, fortunately, I had multiple sizes because there's he's got some odd size pedals. Oh, here. there's some. He's yeah. got some. Uh, he's got some S shapes, side jacks to go into the top, top jacks. jacks. Yeah. That's right. Um, and I didn't have to spend a fortune to get them. Yes. Uh, go to tourgeardesigns.com, 
Load up your cart, and then in your checkout, when you go to coupon, put the guitar knobs. It's going to save you 10% on your entire order, and it is absolutely worth it. These are great patch cables. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Tour Gear for sponsoring our Four on the Floor. Tony? Let me get a little bit of this. Wow. You're just trying to upstage Matt from last week. <laughs> one, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, Bruce Bacon, give us your four on the floor. All right. Well, number one is the Nady TD-1. That's named after me, right? Tony Dudzik, yes. What? TD-1. Is it the... Or is it the Todd one? Ah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Actually, it's, I don't know. Either way. It stands you guys for, are going to have to fight over it. It stands for tube distortion. <laughs> yes, tube distortion one. Well, you just gave it away, Tony. Go ahead, Bruce. Don't mind him. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, so my fascination with tube pedals started uh, with, well, the same thing that you had, uh, Todd, which was the Chandler uh, tube driver way back yes. in the day. Now, and, uh, did you have the rack mount one? I had the pedal. Okay. I had the rack yeah. mount one because, you know, when you have a PV Special 130, you need a rack mount to sit on top of your... <laughs> it, it, top it's, of your it's like salt and pepper. Combo right? amp. <laughs> <laughs> so <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> Anyways, and, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's uh, interesting about that original one was that it just didn't really have enough voltage going to it to really make the tubes do what they're supposed to do. And so, uh, you know, it sounded fine, but it really wasn't, you know, designed correctly. Um, but, you know, over the years, there were different ones that actually did have enough juice going to it. And this happens to be one. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I've always been fascinated by amps. And so this was like having an amp in a pedal. And yeah. so uh, that that's what kind of got me on this whole thing of going after tube-based pedals. And uh, to my ear, it just has more harmonic overtones than, a, let's say, a, a tube screamer or a distortion pedal. But the trade-off is there's a little bit more noise. Um, so that that's that's kind of the hmm. the trade-off there that you have to deal with. But I'm a bedroom player. So I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, go ahead, Tony. So I was going to say, the, I mean, you're you're giving a really brief overview. I mean, this really does go into a lot of depth. I mean, there are variable switches for both the high and the low, and then the gain. Uh, that's that's even a, like, a, a crappy overview. There's some. There's a ton of tonal. I'm just saying sculpting there. Man. There there are you know, three a three way switch that you can choose high, medium, and low. On each of those things, the drive, the high and the low, there's a presence and a level. But my favorite part is on the back, it says, caution, do not open this unit. Levy servicing and changing tubes to qualified personnel only. Lethal voltages can be present even after this unit has been off for some time. Mm -hmm. That tells you it's designed right. <laughs> if something can kill you, it's designed right. This thing is built yeah. like a tank. It, too. it feels I mean, like a tank. really... And it, it comes with its own AC power supply, too, which is, uh, I mean, you. The, there's no mistake in what this goes to. Yeah, the three-prong, 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 uh, what do you call that exactly? Uh, it's a three, it's like a mic jack, actually. Uh, yeah, it does look like a, like a mic jack. 
and it's got the screw-on thingy that uh, keeps it from pulling out. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's definitely it's well put duty. together. Um, I wonder. Yeah. I mean, could you? You couldn't run a pedal. You couldn't just run right into a um, speaker cabinet with this, could you? No, there's not enough voltage coming. Well, I'm just asking. No. I'm just I'm yeah, the I dumb mean, guy asking. I mean, in theory, could you? Yes, but you'd have to have a transformer that would take the voltage into a, uh, you know, to okay. speaker voltage. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, I don't know, man. I don't know everything. So it's like and, a tube preamp, basically. Yeah. But uh, with it, lots of lots of variables and on it, it. What I do like about this, too, you mentioned the EQ. So he said there's a high, low, and a presence. Um, for the high and the low, what's nice is they also give a like a dime diagram style, like what does this actually look like? So if you are used to looking at an at EQ... You can go like, oh, I get it. It's shelving that, or it's bumping that. It's pretty slick. Yeah. Um, and then the the drive gain, instead of the same kind of readout, it, it reads it like a, a um, vu meter. No. Well, okay, yeah. That I was gonna say like the revs, the um, our uh, tachometer. Tachometer. Yeah. Uh, so high is kind of in the red. Yeah. Medium is dead in the middle, and low is down in the green. Green. I thought this thing sounded fantastic going through going into the Marshall. Yeah, man. I I mean, no, le- it's a, it's a it's a good front end for or for things. It's it's sub a hundred bucks, dude. Oh, are they really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it. Yeah. Were. I mean, knew they were not. That I cheap. like. I'm probably gonna try to nab one of these things. Why don't you get two? Okay. Run them into each other and see which one blows <laughs> we'll up run first. Both of them into you. Ooh. All right. Anyways, so super super cool. Um, and and just a unique drive section to have uh you know with your with your gear i think it's really cool yeah and bruce and i were talking earlier now the ax7 that's in there is a, it's pretty hot it's pretty tube. heavy it's the tube yeah. 12 ax7 um but as bruce said yeah you could if you were a service qualified service personnel you could open up the back of it and put in a 12 at7 uh-huh. or a 12 au7 oh. and change the um the, would that make it? What would that do to it? AT7 would make it less harsh. So an AT7 oh, is sweeten it up has, a bit. Yeah, AT7 has uh, puts fewer volts out than an AX7. Lower gain. Lower right, gain. Bruce. That's yeah. your that's your next job. Get another one of these. Put a different tube in it and do a side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do have a fifty seven fifty one. Which is yeah. kind of in between a twelve AT seven and a twelve AX seven. Yeah, I think that might. Um, I mean, a, a fifty seven fifty one. I think is a twelve AU seven too. Is the fifty seven fifty one would be the? Is that the British number on it? This is a lot of math, guys. I forget. Yeah, I forget. Well, it's 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 the tube that's the military grade twelve AX seven with a lower gain rating. Ah, okay. Yeah, I maybe I got the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. I think the point is that there's options, just like in a normal right. amp. Right. I, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's something we should maybe think we about. We should there, try that, Tanya. Um, do you know any qualified service personnel? I, I do, and they're going to be on the show pretty soon. Oh, yes. Yeah. We're going to do a Vox 101. I blah, know. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, what's take next? That and run it into the Vox. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, well, that's what he was doing it. That's what Tony was running yep. it through. Yeah. Yep. Which, what else you got? Actually, wait, yeah, wait, no. stop, stop, stop. Time out. I'm going to, uh, that's not a clap. Okay, when I, Todd, when you're editing this, that's not a clap to edit. That was don't, just me. Don't. don't do it, Todd. Yeah. Um, 
but what that did was send me down kind of a, a little bit of a rabbit hole myself, trying to like, well, let me learn more about because I honestly I don't know a whole lot about uh, tube overdrive pedals. You probably don't know a lot about Nady either. I don't. I know that they do the wireless yeah, wireless system. That was their big thing. But. Yes. Anyways, um, and the first ones that came up was the Chandlers, and and now they've got a revi- um, a newer revision of that. Um, so. Uh, but I mean, I know that there's loads of those out there. I know the Wampler's got one, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other ones do. But like, holy mackerel, that's a whole other avenue of cool pedals with tubes in them that I honestly just have not explored. Maybe yeah, that's on and, the to do uh, list. As I've kind of uh, researched all this stuff, it seems like there's some. Um, Weird correlation between Nady and Gaiatone. Oh, yeah. How so? Um, I've seen pedals that are very similar, very similar, so similar that you're that they're going, not similar. Okay, they're me. exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other By than, similar, uh, do you mean emblems, same? Yeah, just a couple emblem changes, and uh, you know, hundred volts versus one hundred and twenty, mm-hmm. um, but. They might have some shared designs. So, yeah, that's super cool. Nice. All right, what's next? Yeah, number two is the Keeley Seafoam Chorus Plus. Um, I with uh, guitar knobs button. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that barefoot. Yeah, button. Barefoot I didn't button. have to have any qualified. I hadn't seen one of those in a long installed. time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this uh, this one's pretty interesting because it's a chorus that has three different modes, mm-hmm. but each mode is very unique. Uh, and then it also has a mix knob, which helps tames things down because uh, a lot of times with people, why they hate chorus is because they're so used to hearing a complete wet sounding chorus, but with uh, with a I, you know, being able to mix the dry signal in, you get nice note definition, and you can even use uh, distortion with this or, or dirt or play complex chords mm-hmm. and have those notes ring out. It's a, it's a great sounding little pedal, and as you say, very versatile. And I love a mix slash blend knob. That's Todd's. Yeah. Dude, Did you guys really have like any it. favorite mode? I like the uh, ADT, the top mode, best. That one to me sounded well. Actually, between that and the the middle position, which is the seafoam uh, position, um, both of those sounded like choruses that I was used to hearing. Yeah, but having the mm-hmm. I I agree that the mix knob really does make a, a world of difference with this one. Yeah. So what is the space? I think I, I like to play. I was in kind of sitting in seafoam area for the most part mm-hmm. and uh, playing mostly. I had the mix. Uh, down just past noon, so like letting in some dry and uh, just kind of playing around with the space knob. It was a really great little pedal. Yeah. Um. The, my here's my complaint with the Keeley pedals. Oh. And they sound great and everything. I just have a big foot, and they tend to put their their act the foot switch relatively high on the pedal, mm-hmm. and. That always makes me, like, if I'm stepping on it, it just makes me a little, you know, I'm aware of the knobs and how close they are. So, I don't know. That's that's Maybe. my, it's just a personal thing. I have Maybe. to switch to elf boots. 
Make, yeah. Either that or you can make a special stomp. Or those El Norte ones that, that go up to like their kneecaps that curve and go straight up towards their kneecaps. Those things are crazy. You can do a, right. a, a keel hey, stomper. With, with that guitar knobs button on there. Hey. Yeah, that does help. They, I mean, it really, it actually yeah. does. Because if not, I would be on a dark stage. I would be like probably crushing those knobs. But anyways, they. I mean, Keely makes freaking amazing stuff. So yes. it sounds great. All right. Were you able to get a Billy Duffy sound? Uh, that's the first thing I started going for <laughs> when you, when you got me all together on this stuff. Between the uh, oh, th- that being said, why don't actually why don't we hit the other ones and I'll tell you about that. Uh, we, what's the next one? Next one is number three is the magnetic effects Zola boost. So this one is a, a boost, but it's a little bit unique in the fact that uh, it takes your nine volts, converts it to 30 volts. So you have massive headroom and then it has an active two band EQ. So you have bass and treble that can cut or boost. Uh, and then you also have a buffer switch on there too. So if you have some pedals that aren't playing nice, you can hit that buffer switch to to make them work to get well together. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I just like it because it works well with just about any amp that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I can uh, add a layer of, uh, of grit. Yeah, I can dig it. I, I tell you what, the difference between, so I had this running into the uh, Nady, Natty? Mm-hmm. Nady. Nady. The Nady TDA one, TD1. Uh, and with this on versus this not in front of it, that was a world of difference. Mm. That This pedal took that TD1 into like, whoa, arena. Stratosphere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you're thinking about getting one like the TD1, I could not more highly recommend putting a boost in front of it. Hmm. It was fantastic. I didn't try yeah. it that way. Yeah. You, well, yeah, you should have. Tony. And I think that's one of the nice things about b- being a tube pedal is it can handle that. Yeah, it was great. And then to your point, you know, with the EQ adjustment in front of it, um, it just it helped give me the sound that I wanted. Um, and then I, I toyed around with the buffer, but I didn't really need it because I was just doing a couple of these pedals together. At least I didn't feel like I needed it. But um, yeah, I thought that that was a great one-two punch. I mean, any boost in front of that TD1 is going to make that sound absolutely amazing. Hmm. What else you got? Yeah, number four. Uh, I believe this has been on the show before a couple times. Yes. But the DOD rubberneck analog delay. And uh, Tom Cram and the design team at DOD, they they made a full-featured, uh, lush-sounding analog delay. And uh, I don't use the rubberneck feature because um, I'm not really into that time warping stuff. But it's such a great-sounding uh, analog delay that... Uh, you know, I, I like it even despite that. Um, and then what's cool is there's even a um, an effects loop, so you can mm-hmm. use a TRS splitter, uh, which I should get from our good friends at Tour Gear Design. Yes, indeed. And uh, and uh, so I haven't used that yet, but I, I want to do that because I'd like to put some type of effect on the delay uh, to be able to 
to get that. And then the cool part too, and I sent this, is that uh, three-way switch so that you can actually uh, turn on and off your modulation or mm -hmm. turn on the effects loop or the rubber neck mode. So that's pretty cool. And then you have control of your modulation uh, rate and depth, and you have control of a tone on it of those echoes, and then gain on the echoes, which uh, Tony, isn't that usually only associated with like the the electro harmonics uh, memory man? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, and then and then also they give tap tempo. Yep. So uh, yeah, it's just pull, got right? everything. Yeah. So it does. well, and and don't forget the uh, the on off and dry trails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the gain and gain and tone, the 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 gang, the dual gang pots there. Yep. I think that's a really underutilized feature on pedals, by the way, the dual gang pots. Mm -hmm. Um having that stacked. So uh let's Takes see. Up some less space. Let, just uh Tony, can you describe the dual gain pot? Um just for the folks who might not know what that is. Oh, so it's basically two pots, one on top of the other. Um uh, that you know, you see it a lot. Well, I mean, you see it on some jazz basses yeah. and other other thing. Damn, it's like a little skinny knob on yeah. top of a fat knob, but exactly. they're interlocked. Yeah, they 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 operate independently, and um, so in this case, you know, like the the one controls the rate, and the other is the depth, and then there's the gain and the tone on the other. So yeah, yeah. so rather than having a bunch of four extra knobs, knobs yeah. you have two that are stacked. Yeah, and that you know it does it it, it does save space. Um, my experience with this, yeah, I, I think I, 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 I took the rubberneck off myself too. I, I yeah. just, yeah, it was just a little too much for, for my taste. But overall, I mean, it, it was, it was a decent analog delay sounding pedal. Yeah, that rubberneck is good if you're playing Elvis music. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and what's cool is, uh, it, you know, the team that was the at, biggest uh, eye roll ever from Tony, by the way. <laughs> That's my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, the the Tom Cram and those guys are back together with Dod? So. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, that's good. That was yeah. a big deal out at the uh, Nam there. Ah, um, the Nam, the Nam. Um, <laughs> yeah, and also you have the the uh, LED knobs. They're actually LED knobs that you can adjust the rubberneck rate. I think you mentioned that. And then the regen adjust. Those aren't just a bunch of extra knobs. Those are the those are actually what would normally be the LED indicators, but they're actually uh, trans transparent knobs, which is really cool. Yeah, and they pulse at the rate of the delay, yes. or uh, I believe it's uh, the modulation too. Yeah. And there's there was a foot switch in there too. Is that what you use? Uh, do you use the Digitech foot switch with the uh, the DoD? Yeah, yeah. It allows you to uh, basically uh, hit the rubberneck feature, uh -huh. um, turn on or off your modulation, and then uh, I forgot the third part. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Order a bag yeah. of chili Fritos. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Anyways. get some of those. This was a this is a real treat. I really truly appreciate you sending these out. Well, this is the first. Time That's the first. It's a first. Someone physically sent in seven years the four on the floor. Yeah, in a hundred years that we've been doing this. Yes, 
I mean, that's well, if you're uh, gonna do it, you got to do it big, right? Well, thank you. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for well, doing it. Well, and we realize not everybody can like, dude. I'm not gonna send you all my posts. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I get it. I get it. There's a reason well, that we haven't got that, but I really appreciate you doing that. That was really cool. Oh yeah, no problem. And uh, you know, obviously, since I'm a bedroom player, I I can do that, right? I don't have a gig to go to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the gig in your head. That's where you go to, man. The big gig in the sky. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see here. We, as mentioned before, Bruce is a, is a big supporter of the show and is, you know, he's almost the first in the inbox all the time. I, we, we've gotten so many great messages from you, so much involvement, and um, you are inspired. And that's the cool thing. It's like it's one thing to do this all the time. It's another thing to have somebody out there who – is is also feeling that inspiration and feeding back. I I just I love that, and we we truly appreciate that from you. Well, hey, you guys uh, make my week. So every every week there's an episode. I'm always looking forward to it. So um, it's the least I can do since you're always entertaining me. Well, thanks. Very kind. Thank you. And every once in a while we. I always hate it when we miss a week. Uh, sometimes there's things that just uh, we can't do it. We we haven't missed too too many. I think maybe like what, two or three, maybe four. But um, uh, we try to make sure you know you guys get the episodes, and we love doing them. So it's a two way street, my friend. Let's find out what else is making you tick because you know you're not a passive uh, engager. You know what I mean? I guess you can't engage passively by def- by definition. But, uh, you know, I, I would love to know a little bit more about what are the things that are influencing you, making you think, making you reach for new sounds. Let's just get all up in that. All right. So starting with early influences, what drove you to the madness of wanting to have anything to do with guitar? Well, uh, you know, I was born in 1968 to give you an you know, idea of the era, era that I, uh, you know, lived in. And uh, really no one in my family was musical. My father played the banjo and piano a little bit, but it was more like no, knowing a few cowboy chords and singing songs. He was in barbershop quartet, which you can imagine, you know, being my age, being young, I was like, yeah, barbershop quartet, no thank you. Um, (laughs) Not that they aren't talented, they are, but uh, yeah, just not my taste. Um, But I had two older sisters that were six and eight years older than me, and so the music they listened to was the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Hart, Cheap Trick, the police, Tom Petty, and The Clash. And that just had a profound influence on me. And uh, I always, you know, thank my sisters for having good taste in music because <laughs> it certainly helped me. And um, I can remember being like six years old and hearing Roundabout and Whole Lot of Love in my mother's Vista Cruiser. <laughs> and um, you know, not being aware of who it was, but it was just music and it, it sounded great. And, but looking back on it, it's, it's amazing because it was like the top 40 radio at that time. Any genre of music could be on it. And so it was, uh, it was an exciting time. 
And, uh, you know, rock and roll was still edgy back then and it was still pushing boundaries. And I can remember as a little kid uh, watching Saturday Night Live and the Stones were on and it was a big deal. And seeing Mick Jagger lick Ron Wood's face on <laughs> SNL and thinking, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and uh, now looking back, it's like, well, was that his uh, rite of passage to becoming an awesome Rolling Stones member? Probably. And, uh, <laughs> and then also seeing on Saturday Night Live, uh, David Bowie. And, uh, you know, at the time, David Bowie was kind of controversial. And uh, as a little kid, I see this guy and he's in like this giant striped milkshake container thing. And he had to be moved around by his background singers because he couldn't walk. He was stuck in this striped container. And I just thought, this is so weird. And But, you know, that that was rock and roll back then. It was cutting edge. It was different. Um, and, you know, I was attracted to it. You know, there's a little element of uh, what's going to happen next or a sense of danger. Um, and then uh, locally, because I grew up in Seattle, Hart played local clubs and was huge around Seattle. And in around 11, I started getting into music and exploring uh, my sister's record collection. And like the two albums that or three albums that really hit me were uh, Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes, yep. Hard Promises, and then The Police, Zenyatta, Mandata. And then that's where... Andy Summers became my guitar hero, and he's actually still my favorite guitar hero to this day. Yeah, he played some crazy, crazy things. I mean, I, I, you know, if you listen to some of the police things that he played, I mean, just the uh, like "Message in a Bottle," for instance. I still have a hard time playing that because it is just stretching your fingers to maximum width uh, in order to be able to play the notes that he plays. There, there's a great um, I think it's on Prime. I think it's on Prime uh, TV. You know, for Amazon Prime, um, a, uh, a documentary about is yep. like surviving the police or something. Surviving like that. the police, man. That's, that's, that's so. It's a great documentary. Yeah, because it's not. It's not one of those ones that just you know, like like oh, the police. Eh. You know, it's like the inside view. It's cool. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no problem. Any Anytime talking about police is good to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so then um, metal came into my life. So uh, I, I was in the seventh grade, and a classmate brought in a, a, a cassette of the Scorpions, Animal Magnetism, that was his sister's. And he played it, and I listened to it for about four or five songs. And all I could think about was where has this been all my life? Because <laughs> just the, the sound of the guitars. And it was uh, the beginning of my love affair with the Marshall JCM 800 and the Plexi Crunch sound. And uh, I just fell in love with that. And my next guitar heroes of that era were like Randy Rhodes, Alex Lifeson, Eddie Van Halen, Brad Gillis, George Lynch, Steve Stevens, Adrian Vandenberg, and Jimmy Page. You know, Steve Stevens. Th yeah. That is that is a player that we all know that name. I think it would be kind of tough to actually pull a, 
some like, oh yeah, that's a Steve Stevens riff because they were just, they were just such part of the songs. They weren't like necessarily like standalone, you know, riffs. His guitar work was so crucial to that entire sound in that era, as well as obviously the, that, you know, Billy Idol's actual, um, uh, music mm-hmm. and the stuff he does it's so it's so efficient but so effective yeah. you know he he there's not like a it, it, sometimes even if he gets super busy it's still not like just wasted notes it's not like wheelie 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 oh, wheelie yeah, wheelie, yeah. wheelie you know it's no like, noodling it's just just the thing give me a thing bam you know and you got the thing and, and it's, it's like, perfect wow yeah that's what belongs there yeah I agree what really about what, what about Pagey why do you like Jimmy? Why do you love Jimmy Page? Oh, well, here's the thing is that every guitarist has heard the Heartbreaker solo. Yeah. And it's it's reckless and sloppy. Let's admit it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know it's reckless and sloppy. But, you know, Jimmy Page produced that album. So he had carte blanche to take it to, to have another take on that as many as he wanted but he didn't yeah and the reason why he didn't is because he knew that take had the vibe and the energy to fit the song and that was more important than being perfect and well now the it, truth be told the, the original title for the album was reckless and sloppy uh-huh <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, they changed it at the last well, minute. But that that's pretty insightful because if you think about it, everybody was going for this like super like clean takes perfection, yeah. like you know, making it right. Yeah. And that really did open it up. I mean, it sounded like someone was tearing a piece of or, or tear, tearing a, a aluminum can open with their teeth. Ooh. You know? I mean, it was just it's it it's amazing. I'm going to try that right now. Yeah, and it kind of yeah. goes back to that uh, um, famous quote from Eddie Van Halen that you uh, recite, yes. Todd. Yes. Which is? Playing guitar, for me, playing guitar is like falling down a flight of stairs and landing on my feet. And that's the heartbreaker solo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Indeed. That's rock and roll. It is. It totally is. Live rock and roll, Yes. <laughs> yeah and and for the if anybody out there especially if you're a young up and coming guitar player if you haven't seen the you know the classic video of that when they're it's it's the black and white and you know they got these little tiny amps and they got a bunch of people seated in front of them um it is it's just something to witness like just the raw it is so mm-hmm. it it's yeah, it's like watching a flipping grizzly bear tear open a salmon with his face, mm. man. <laughs> you know, and just bones and everything just gobble it up. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not so hungry anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. So next, next, where were you at? So, so you got the bug. Now, what did you do? Yeah. So. You know, just like any red-blooded, you know, American kid that's listening to rock and roll at the ages of like 11 to 12, 13, the next step is you got to have a guitar. And so I asked my uh, father and my parents, you know, hey, can I can I get a guitar? And he's like, okay, 
deal is we're going to start you off on a, an acoustic. So he bought me a Yamaha acoustic guitar and a Mel Bay guitar lesson books. So of course. That's what I learned. Mel Bay. Mel, yeah. Mel Bay method. Mel Torme. He was great. Not Torme. Mel Bay. Oh. Yeah. Where else can you learn to play Michael Rowe, the boat ashore? Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, what were some of the other gems in there? Uh, oh my God! There might have been hot cross buns on there. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, probably. But there were, yeah, all the standards are in there. All right, in mm-hmm. easy chord formations. How to hold a C? How yeah. to make a G? Yeah, yeah. I, don't yeah. Right. I love it, that you, book. Yeah, it actually. Looking back on it, it was a good book because you, even though you only learned, let's say three chords in you know 10 pages they actually got you playing a few songs yep. with those chords so um yeah it was well done for for what it was uh you know that was before the the real big tab explosion <laughs> but uh and youtube yeah, don't forget youtube <laughs> yeah you know you know what the very first song i learned on tab was what's that i kid you not i'm not even making this up you're making it up i'm not it's Hang, a small world. Hanger 18 by Megadeth. With, by <laughs> That's tab. what I started with. You <laughs> <laughs> aimed high. Good for you. But I, did, I learned it. <laughs> wow. I, ha- yeah. I had a baby blue JB player, like like Randy Rhodes style. Yeah. It was baby blue. And I, you know, what? I didn't know any better. Yeah. Dang on it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that Yamaha, it had a horrible action on it which i'm sure <laughs> tony you you probably had a similar experience i learned on and, a silver tone yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh it probably led to some bad habits like my death grip fret hand <laughs> pushing um, the strings through the other side of the fretboard yeah <laughs> yes yeah, i've got that problem <laughs> but uh i showed enough progress that uh by the time i was 15 my parents rewarded me with my first electric guitar and amp and I like to say an amp because when you play electric guitar, you just don't play an electric guitar. You play the amp too. It's a system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I got was a um, a Kramer ST100 Striker that was in dark metallic blue, mm. which I loved and uh, loved the color. And then a PV Studio Pro 40, which is a solid state uh, combo. And it was sold to me by Jay Boone, who would later start the first vintage guitar shop in Seattle, the well-known Emerald City Guitars. Mm. Uh, and by the way, Seattle has an embarrassment of riches when it comes to guitar stores. There's uh, Emerald City Guitars, Mike and Mike Guitar Bar, Mike Thunder and Road Guitars, yep. American Music, uh, which has been around forever, and then the Trading Musicians. So it's uh, you know it's a good place to be if you like equipment. Love it, love it. So then. After getting in, so now you're familiar with all the guitar stores and everything. You got your, you got your guitar. Um, did you, did you progress at like the rate that you thought you were going to, or did you, like, what would tell us, like, how did you progress? Well, uh, so I was in high school at that time, and I was armed with uh, guitar for the practicing music- musician. That magazine, of course, it had tablature. Um, I did learn how to read music a little bit on that Mel Bay book, but 
is we know as guitar players, things don't actually, you know, you don't play all in the first position. You play in different positions and tablature is really the only way to correctly define that. And so that was that was my Bible. It was like everything I needed or just about everything I needed. So I could learn some songs, uh, learn about some equipment, um, and then just have some lessons in there and then read about uh, all my guitar heroes and what equipment they were using. Um, but then one day I, I played with uh, guitar with my friend Bob Shook and uh, he could listen to a song a few times and he could just figure it out and play it perfectly. Um, so he had the ears and then he just had the hand it was just the great coordination. And um, it, it just uh, was a huge reality check for me because we started at exactly the same time and he was light years ahead of me and super talented. And I, I was not. <laughs> and uh, things that took me hours to grasp took Bob just like minutes. And I realized any chance of being a rock star was probably not in the cards. Um, to quote Billy Spitfire, dreams by their very nature are elusive. You did it wrong. What? Dreams by their very nature are elusive. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Billy? 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 He's still yeah. with us, even though he's on his with the summer of me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So uh, just kind of give a little bit of a, um, um, understanding. A lot of people might think, well, hey, why would you give up so quickly? And it's like, well, I was listening to heavy metal and hard rock. And at this time, this is in the heyday of shredding. Mm. So if you listen to hard rock or metal, the technical bar was just like really set high. And I realized that guitar was going to be a hobby for me. I still loved music and I was fascinated by, you know, what the, uh, uh, the guitar was doing and how players were playing. Um, but I just realized that it's like, okay, this is a hobby and, uh, it's just going to have to take a little bit of a backseat. Um, and then in college, I actually took music theory 101 and piano 101 oh, wow. in community college. We so, don't offer that, actually. <laughs> but And it was really cool because uh, everything was slower. And I was understanding how chords were built, how harmony worked, and the different scales. And it laid down a solid foundation. So... The, the weird part was, was it's like, okay, I, I, can't, I can't play this, but I, at least I understand why I like it. So. Yeah. I think, well, that's something that I wish that I would have had earlier on. I started learning violin and quickly hated the idea of actually, like, learning music in its, uh, you know, in, in, this, in, like, notes and stuff like that. So I would have benefited from that maybe you would have enjoyed the suzuki method i probably would have my probably. kids went through that yeah and they're flipping amazing yep. on their instruments um could take that bow to your guitar later yeah i should um so 
let's talk about where so so let me see here you mentioned a couple of guitar heroes of yours mm-hmm. um what uh i think something that when we mention our guitar heroes there are uh ones that instantly come to mind right and mm-hmm. we've actually talked on the show about like what are some of our um, guitar heroes that maybe like not everybody is, is is aware of not our not the first picks like of course you're gonna pick Jimmy of course you're gonna pick like and that's important to understand sort of like where your foundation is do you are, are do you have any that you think might not get the recognition oh yeah oh yeah uh, definitely so uh, the first one would be uh, Ty Tabor of uh, King's X oh yeah that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy has got uh, just an amazing sound, and he's a really tight rhythm player, um, great vibrato, uh, and just he, he he has an amazing sound, and it's a crazy setup because he you know at the beginning he was playing through a Gibson Lab L5, but he was only using the preamp on it and that's a solid state amp. It's not, it's not tube at all. And then he went from there into, I believe it was a, uh, like an Alesis meaty verb and then to like a crown power amp and then to his speakers, uh, which I mean, that is, that is awesome that he came up with that. I, you know, I'm assuming that's all he had, but who knows, but, yeah, I, I find that his uh, his playing on Gretchen Goes to Nebraska, that, that's like a perfect album to me. I can play that all the way through. Dig it. Any others? Yeah. Uh, the late James Honeyman Scott yep. uh, of The Pretenders. So that guy was just creative. Just, you know, he had great pop sensibilities in his playing, but he also knew when to just rock on a song. And all of his solos and fills were just tasteful and they just elevated the song to another level. And I feel like he just, he just doesn't get enough credit but you you can tell just by listening to other players that he influenced a whole generation of, of british guitarists and american guitarists too i mean i agree i yeah. mean he's in in many ways you know you talked about steve stevens earlier again a guy that played the perfect part where it needed to be and didn't necessarily you know showboat the thing he just played what had to happen and they played differently than everybody else just a little bit different yeah you know you could easily lump him into a lot of what was going on in that scene but the thing is he was you know billy idol came out of the out of the punk scene and in in, in the uk and they kind of created their own actual style of music i mean it really didn't yeah. fit with anything probably you know the one of those guys that needs that doesn't get the credit due yeah, and and like uh, Randy Rhodes, he's only got two two albums worth of music, but hey, those two albums are incredible. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Now you're in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. And you grew up in Seattle. Yeah, uh, did, born and raised. Did you did you grow up through the uh, the grunge scene? I did. I did. So uh, one of the interesting things is is that uh, the high school I went to it was basically the 
beginnings or the origin of Alice in Chains. Um, so the band from my high school called Sleaze uh, played at our student activity center at lunch. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, there's uh, there's the band. It's uh, Johnny Bacolas, James Bergstrom, and Lane Staley. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't think any of us, when we saw them, thought that, you know, they were going to go on to be huge. Um, but then again, it's like, hey, they're 15 or 16 year olds. And uh, I'm a big believer of, you know, if you want to master something, it's going to take, you know, what is it? Is it a thousand hours or 10,000 hours? They were in that first thousand hours. And so, uh, you know, they they were doing the best they could and they still were doing well. Uh, and, uh, so, um, later they renamed themselves, uh, Alice in Chains, but this is going to sound weird to the listeners because when I say Alice in Chains, I mean like guns in roses an N and an apostrophe. Really? Yeah. So that's, they, and they purposely did it that way because they didn't want the negative connotations of, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah right yeah gotcha. i'll just leave it at that yeah. uh and then um they they played for you know probably about four or five years uh and then they broke up and when they broke up uh lane then went with uh, another group of musicians and uh and then they just took the name allison chains but then they actually you know why not Allison Chains? Yeah, yeah. You know, that would have just been as, as, you know, as easy. Um, you yeah, probably, so now it became Alice I-N Chains. So Alice right. in Chains. Yeah, so that's where it came from. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, that, that band had a pretty uh, rough go as far as, like, what happened to its members. Yeah, so for sure. I'm, I'm, so even though Johnny and James didn't hit the big time, I'm, uh, I'm happy they're alive because you can't say that about some of the other members of that group. Um, so it's unfortunate, but, uh, but I'm glad they're alive. And then a little fun fact is my neighbor, Kelly Roop, she went to prom with Lane Staley. Well, so, how about that? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, Bruce, you were kind enough to send us a box full of awesome pedals that you are currently playing, but, um, why don't you, if you can, share with us what it, what those are attached to? Yeah, I know you said you're a bedroom player, but I suspect you have uh, <laughs> quite a lot of gear at home. So help us out. Sure, sure. So um, as far as, uh, uh, you know, guitars, uh, on one of my Would You Rathers, I mentioned going back in time and getting a Korean-made Epiphone Sheraton to for teenage me right and uh todd we we kind of texted back and forth on this and uh you let me know that you were close to pulling the trigger on one and you gave me good reasons uh why i should get one and well i found one and guess what you were absolutely right on that awesome which one did you get i it's well, and the, i say uh, by which one i mean they, they have uh five Natural black tobacco, um, tobacco. It's the tobacco sunburst. Tobacco. Yeah, and well, and then they have the um, 
the black like the black and black and uh, red burst like or, it's like black with the dark like cherry brown. burst yeah 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 mm. um, yeah it's it's the tobacco burst which is interesting because generally it's not really my taste the only time I really kind of like that is on Andy Summers Telecaster but generally. <laughs> It's so ubiquitous, I, I shy away from it, but this guitar is so well-built, and like you said, it has all these little um, um, accoutrements that uh, make it really cool-looking. The details and, uh, on those things are crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, the one I have, it's got nibs on the frets, which when you think about it, it's like, how many Korean guitars have nibs on the frets? How not many, many. Not Korean guitars have nibs on the frets. Yeah. I mean. No, this is, I mean, that, that Korean series that Epiphone had out is, yeah. The, those are some of the best guitars that were made, I, I believe. When Bruce and I were talking about this, I mentioned that I think because of the fit and the finish, because of all of the little doodads and finish whatnots. And, uh, whatnots and everything like he just said like like the you know thingamabobs and stuff <laughs> pound for pound it might be one of the best bang for the bucks out there period yeah um it is a super great quality guitar and it, it, they didn't leave anything like left on the floor to put on it all right it, I'll without agree with being you. blingy either yeah, it isn't over the top. It's not like a D'Angelico or something like that, where it's just like you know, wow, you know. <laughs> I mean, those are those are like pretty over the top, and this one is still super tasteful. Yeah, and the one that I got, uh, I was lucky because in some of the forums, people have said, well, you know, the humbuckers and there are a little weak, and the electronics are just average. But uh, the previous owner actually installed uh, some Sumac Parsons Street pickups, and they were Alnico too, uh, which was now I think this is the first time I've dealt with an Alnico two pickup because when I played it, it just had this big open sound where there was more bass coming through uh and it seemed more full frequency than i've ever you know dealt with before so i'm still kind of trying to dial in my amp right to to kind of tame the beast but it's a it's a different experience hmm. and then uh the other thing that i, I kind of learned i think it's worth mentioning also by the way mm-hmm. like this is loaded guitar and they are usually you can get one usually on craigslist i've seen them as low as 550 um up to like maybe 700 dollars tops yeah you know and those are they're they're used brand new i think they are around eight eight or 899 something like that sounds about right yeah killer deal yeah and uh so this was my first semi-hollow I had all had solid bodies before that, and uh, the the thing that I kind of learned from this experience was it's like what's so nice about a semi-hollow is you can just pick it up and play it and get a good idea of how things are going to sound even when you're not plugged in, and it just made me realize, oh, okay, this is why singer-songwriters use a semi-hollow because 
they don't have to be plugged in and yet they can play exactly like they do mm -hmm. a regular electric. So uh, it was kind of an eye opener for me. Yeah. And that big body, man, it feels really good on you. What about amps? Yep. For uh, amps, uh, I have a Guillotone GA830, um, oh. which is an EL84-based uh, um, tube. It's a 6BQ5 back then, but mm -hmm. it's essentially an EL84. And and this was brought back from the dead by uh, Jesse Quitzlin, uh, who's an amp tech here in Seattle. And uh, Jesse actually used to tech for the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And he makes his own amps under the Acme Instruments um, brand. Oh. And uh, he'd also be a great guest yeah. for your show. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's, they're great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he he just would inform me and let me know, like, hey, when it comes to these old Japanese vintage uh, amps, the resistors are probably going to drift out of uh, what their tolerance level should be. And uh, so he just has so much experience dealing with all these um, different vintage amps that, you know, you knew you were going to uh, get the amp back and he wasn't going to butcher it. He was going to do exactly what it needed to be just to get it back to playing like a vintage amp that it should. So I'm very grateful for Jesse's work on it. And uh, it's an odd amp because it actually has its own stand. It floats up on a stand and you can tilt it. But mine, the uh, it's seized. So I have to work on getting it unseized. Yeah, it was so like taken? It's uh, imagine if you could uh, kind of like... Uh, I'd say it's like a uh, like the Voxes. A, yeah, kind of like a Vox. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's cool. yeah, people see that and they go, "Ooh, that's weird." Um, but yeah, it's just a vintage amp. Uh, the other one it's that a I handsome have amplifier. Right now <laughs> it is is a Spectra Thirty T. Um, and most people don't know what Spectras are. They or if they do, they think solid state, which they did make great solid state amps. Um, this one's a 6V6 based amp uh, and it's super light. And the previous owner actually put a, an old Jensen Neodymium speaker. It's funny I say old, but I, I should say first generation. Uh, and it's super light. Uh, and, you know, they say that it's supposed to sound like a, a Mesa Mark One amp, but I've never played a Mesa. I don't know. To me, it sounds like a Fender amp. Um, yeah, that would, I mean, with a 6V6, yeah, because I don't think that <clears throat> Boogie ever did anything with 6Vs. I think mean, you got some on the mic there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, do you like the sound of the Neodymium uh, speaker? Yeah, I actually do. Mm. I was surprised because I thought I'd hate it. <laughs> See, now I, I the ones that I've used, I love how light they are, but I mm. can't get into the sound that's coming out. There's something weird about it. I mean, I you know I'm a big Elmico uh, speaker fan, and to me those sound I don't know what it is. They break up easier. The the neodymiums are almost too. <sighs> too crisp. I I, I can't even almost like too yeah. hi-fi. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's it, it's it's doing too uh, too accurate of the sound spectrum. I don't mm. know. 
Yeah, because I've got El Nico's on the the Guillotone, uh, yeah. an El Nico speaker, and yeah, it's got more chime. Where I feel like the neodymium does not have chime. It's just, I guess, for lack of a better word, flat. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think that's right. Maybe that, and that's maybe by design to recreate the you know as close to you know perfect sound reproduction. I don't know, but yeah, that's I. I you know, I've I've switched. I've had them in a couple of amps, and I just I end up switching them out. Yeah, putting something different in. Yeah. Well, you know, we're still in the infancy of that uh, technology, and I'm sure it'll get better over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Bruce, final question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you explained to us our, your current rig. You went through all the cool gear and, and everything. Um, it, if if you had your druthers and um, Tony won the lottery and he said, Bruce, I'm going to hook you up. You name the amp and the guitar you want, and I will have it shipped out to you. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, You know, I would probably go with a Metropolis. Um, um, You know, because they're up in Michigan, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. And that guy is just, uh, George Metropolis is super passionate about making act. Uh, accurate Marshall recreations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I would get one of his amps. Yep. Um, and then as far as guitars, boy, that's a rough one. But, um, you know, uh, I think I'd want an, it's going to be a, an early Ovation 80s. breadwinner. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> oh my god! A Travis um, Bean guitar. I probably would go with a. Um, it's a. It's an Aria Pro Two, and I, I had one of those. Thinking of, but like the real high end ones, like the PER sixty or the PER eighty. I had a black they, one. They're they're fabulous Les Pauls, and uh, I think I think I'd want one of those because mm. my 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 I tend to lean just left of center with my tastes. Yeah, that's right. cool. Um, mine. Well, the, here's the funny thing is I, I, I guess you I have didn't... the black and gold. No, <laughs> mine was okay. Here it comes. I get it. Everybody's gonna lambast me. One of one of my earlier guitar purchases, uh, actually, it might have been a trade. It was an it was an Aria Pro Two, but it was a uh, <laughs> guitar model Strat, um, Strat, like a like a Super Strat, Strat. Thing. Yeah, Todd played a Strat. I did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I had one. Keyword had. Yeah, but uh, but I didn't know that they that they just did a whole line of all kinds of th- yeah. things, and they called them all prior. Yeah, or, Bruce or Bruce is talking about the high end line, which yeah, they do have some wonderful instruments in that. I mean, I had oh gosh, years ago some of the how is it Aria Pro Two and then Aria Pro Pro Two, but the high end line? How can that be the same thing? Well, I mean, they range from not high end. I was really young. I didn't know what I was doing. Well, I had, I, I think I would have, uh, gosh, when was that? It would have been in the mid-80s or something like that, or going to late 80s. Uh, a pro 
Aria Pro. It wasn't the Pro 2, but it was made, It was a Japanese-made uh, kind of Les Paul-style guitar. And it was a great guitar. I mean, it's it's amazing some of the stuff they put out. But, um, yeah, the the higher-end stuff, they, they do really i mean they're they're decent instruments so and and not a whole lot of money so yeah. i will grant your wish bruce look, thank you look and at, can keep you... stand by your front door until the the two boxes arrive okay can i have <laughs> can i choose my finish yeah what do you want japan brown okay yeah. japan brown yeah help me out there it well, it's brown and it's kind of got. <laughs> I would I'd say it's kind of like a violin finish. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not sunburst or anything. It's got a little it's bit of like mahogany-ish in it. Yeah, I mean, it goes um, from like a, a stained just, mahogany, just like darker, furniture. darker around the edges slightly. Okay, yeah. it's more of a like a rubbed finish. Yeah, you would say. Okay, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, they do have an Ario Pro 2 back in the day that was a series called Black and Gold, and it was a black guitar with gold hardware. Yeah. I can't so you should, you should look for one. I Yeah. Yeah. Memories. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, only. Yeah. Should have bought them when I could. And, well, hey, let me tell you a quick story about that. I, I remember in it, I had it when I was in my first year of college and I had traded in for a couple of things and I got that and they, we had this psychology class and it was like, Oh, bring a couple things that, that tell who you are. Right. And I, and I was like, I'm going to bring my guitar in. Right. <laughs> I brought my guitar in and I was talking about it and, and, you know, just saying, Oh, I really like guitar and da, 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 da. I'll never forget this. This is one of the first times that, I'd, I'd ever just gotten just lambasted by somebody that I didn't even know, right? And this guy's sitting there, and he had a merciful face, uh, fate shirt on. And he goes, oh, how come it doesn't have scallops on it? Go ahead and play it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play it. I didn't play it. And he, and, and he was just like giving me the business. And I was like, why are you doing this man you know and then his buddy gets up who who just brought a snare he just brought a snare drum and the guy played a flipping aria on a snare drum because he was a drum major and i'm like yeah this has been a great day <laughs> like, well you know strat knockoff and <laughs> that's the way it was back in the day <laughs> well, i bet you can't play any merciful fate <laughs> Tough crowd. Ah. Anyways. All right. Well, Brucey, this has been super fun, uh, but we got to hop in the old El Camino right now. Where are we headed, Tony? Uh, we're going to swing down past Jared to see how... Let's throw some empty cans on his deck. Oh, let's do it. I like it. And let's, and let, let's step in mud yes. and then walk on his deck when he's not seeing it, and he, it'll drive him insane. It will. I like it. Okay. Let's do it. Yes. Because at this point... Actually, we can jam some hot dogs down in the cracks in between the planks <laughs> and just leave them there. Oh, that, that, no, his dogs would go crazy. No, he'd go crazy. Yeah. No. Get it out! Hurry! <laughs> <laughs> Why those guys put the oh, yeah. damn hot dogs in the, between the planks? <laughs> All right. So at this point of the show, Todd, it's a little game we like to call Would You Rather... Yeah. Smooth jazz edition. 
This week's Would You Rather is brought to us by our good friend, Bruce Bacon. I know him. This is one that Bruce sent to us a while back, and we're going we're gonna to use it today. Word. So you're walking down the street and stop by a yard sale. Sale. You like that? You see a weird-looking imported 12-string electric guitar. But the action is really high. But the $20 price tag says, I'm taking you home. When you get it home, you realize the truss rod is already maxed out. It's a mess. And after some crafty math and a little bit of uh, uh, prestidigitation, you realize that you need to take half of the strings off. Now, by doing that, you're going to reduce the tension and make it a little more playable. But the problem is you got two choices, and this is the would you rather. Uh, You can leave the E, A, and D, or you can leave the G, B, and E set. Now, what's the difference? Todd, do you care care to guess? Well, they sound different. Bruce, I think you can give us a better answer. Why don't you do that? Sure. So uh, the E, the A, and the D are all octaves. Ah, yes. And then the other set of three strings, the G is octave, but then the B and the E are actually the same string doubled, so you kind of get a chorusing effect. Yes. So the would you rather... In order to make this guitar play right, would you rather have the E, A, and D octave set or the G, B, and E, G octave, B, E, unison set? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not a fun situation no matter what. No. But who goes first, Todd? Uh, well, Tony, you go first. Oh, <laughs> I'm not, you know, not used to going first ever. So. I think I, as much as I like the octave pairs, when I think to like, you know, if you're doing any kind of Roger McGuinn licks, um, most of his stuff was done on the G, believe it or not. So all of his leads that he would play on an, uh, Rick 12, those were there. And in fact, um, Martin made a seven string. Roger McGuinn model. And the only, so it's six strings plus the G has an octave, uh, is, is an octave pair. So, um, and I've seen him play that guitar because it's, and that's what he does. If he's making those little runs, it's usually on the G string. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the G, the B, and the E, and uh, I'll just play all those McGuinn licks all night long. Dig it. All right. Bruce? Bruce? All right. Well, Tony, you're, you're not alone on an island today. Yay! <laughs> I'm also going to do the G, B, and E. Um, I think two reasons. One, you get a mixture of both, right? You get one that's an octave and the other two that are uh, basically doing the chorusing. And as we found out from my four on the floor, 
I like chorus. Yeah. You know? Natural chorus. The the Andy Summers in me uh, <laughs> will always be there. Uh, and then uh, uh, the other part too is that uh, I've listened to a lot of Big Star in the last uh, oh, year or yeah. two. Yeah. Don't get me started on Big Star, but go ahead. Yeah, I like my power pop, and uh, I think that some of the licks that they did, uh, like in September Girls and things like that, uh, they they just sound really great on a twelve string. And I think most of that stuff was done on those those three strings. Yep, I would agree with that. I'm doing what you guys are doing. Oh, copycat! I, well, it makes the most sense, man. <laughs> Why bother with that other nonsense? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I feel your pain. I like it. I like it. And All gonna, right. So it's unanimous. I'm going to grab that, that un-12 string, and I'm going to smash it. There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you seem to, I think you have some anger issues, Todd. I, I, might. I might. Todd, I'm actually surprised that you didn't go with the uh, the lower strings being a... Uh, a rhythm guitar extraordinaire yourself. Well, 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 thank you. Well, I just... I hear a little uh, fast Eddie Clark in your plan. I, yeah, hey, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe just the different, uh, the difference. Because I haven't done, I don't, I don't do a lot of that 12 stringy stuff. So I'm like, yeah, why not do something different? That's what I'm doing. Okay. Excellent. It's good unanimous. one. Good one, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. All right, Tanya. Todd, at this point of the show, we like to thank a special group of people. These are our executive producers. Now, you might be wondering, what is this executive producer I am speaking of? This is a group of people that make this show possible. Now, how do you become an executive producer? Quite easy. Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and check out a couple of different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Each level comes with some very nice thank you gifts. But as an executive producer, there's one thing more. Bruce, what is that one thing more? Ooh, the fess. No, that's you close. You have your name. <laughs> oh, get that on the thing. What? Wait, he just jumped in. What the heck? Did you just, Jared? That's me. What ah! the heck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jared. Thanks oh for my God. What an, us. What yeah. an unexpected. Oh my God. Your timing was impeccable, Jared. That's incredible. Oh. I felt so horrible. I couldn't make the whole thing. It's Bruce Bacon. I had to come on and uh, out of respect. <laughs> if only for the last bit of the show. So I, oh. I'm sorry. I'm very tardy. That's well, that's remarkable. I mean, I, do you I realize that have been planned any better? Did you realize that that you came on exactly when I said, "What is that one more thing?" No. <laughs> of course you didn't. <laughs> you were just going to jump into the wherever we were and say that. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I had been listening for a while, but I guess uh, you guys didn't see. No, we didn't no. see that. We were... We, uh, that's insane. Oh I, I my saw God. the the the, uh, the third channel, but oh. I thought that something I, else was going on there. I didn't realize you're being a spy. Mm, he's a voyeur. <laughs> well, let's do that, Jared. What is that one more thing? 
You get to have your name right on the thing. There you go. That's right. Your name right on the thing. So that's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mac D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garton, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemalero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Tom Brazen. Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, Stuart George, Michael Furman, James Bell, James Romer, Cameron Pampas, and David Tyndall. Thank you. Thank you. Wait a wait a second there. Todd, yeah. There is another special group of executive producers we like to call our grand poobas. And Bruce, I think earlier you may have slipped in the one thing special even more, in addition to tons of great stuff that grand poobas receive. What is that? The fez. The fez. Among many other things. And there's some great stuff. So check it out. Todd will let you know exactly what that is. So special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareta, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Marikishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, uh, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. David Poe, Billy Spitfire Unlimited, Congregation Gear Demos, Paul Van Eppinger, Scott Sullivan, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups, and Matt Hart. All right. Yes, Matt Hart, we just had on the show uh, recently as well. Uh, actually, that was last episode. That was last episode. Come to think of it. Is it when's that one coming up? It is up. It's live. Oh, I didn't know that, that it was People will live. have already heard it by this time. Oh, goodness. Yes. I goodness. haven't heard it yet. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for your continued support. We truly, truly appreciate it. Um, Bruce, do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to my wife because she's put up with my awful guitar playing for <laughs> years. And if there's some badge of honor, then uh, she's earned it. So, yeah, That's she really should sweet. Get, she should right. receive the pick of destiny. <laughs> the yes. pick of destiny. Indeed. <laughs> that was really sweet. Um, so, Bruce, uh, do you have any where people did you want people to get a hold of you? <laughs> <laughs> usually when we do that but uh, you know i'm not really uh on social media or anything yeah. like that uh but uh you know i'm just, just send good thoughts your way play, playing guitar and with pedals and amps and on you know reading stuff so that's that's what i do sounds good nice tanya Head over to pickguardian.com, check out some of the things that I have available for sale, but 
you know, shoot me an email because most of what I do is kind of custom and uh, it's easier sometimes to hash out all of the details. Yes, indeed. Uh Jared, do you want to chime in there? To find me at Instagram, jared.branded. I'm sorry, jared.allen.branded. <laughs> Send me a message. Uh, yeah, please. We talk about pickups, gear, guitars, even Gibson guitars, or Fender, whatever you want to do. All right. Perfect. Jared, Jared, it's amazing that you joined us. I, I really appreciate you being on here. It's an honor for me to have you, have you in my presence. If it's just <laughs> for, you know, 10 minutes, then, you know, that that's what I, I really wanted to be on for you tonight. And I did, I did the best I could. So. Well, okay. and just and be- I'll take that because you did that, Jared, I am not going to put the hot dogs between the planks on your, so you're not supposed to tell him. Oh, shh. <laughs> shh. All right. Uh, but Todd well, will. Yes. You can shoot me an email, Todd at the guitarnubs.com. You can also DM me on Instagram on, and I will share whatever you want me to with the other clowns. Um, We'd love to hear what you're up to. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. We would love to hear your would you rathers. Please send your would you rathers. We really, really enjoy getting them from everyone else. And um, thanks to Bruce Bacon for sending so many our way. Uh, Please also check out Flint Effects uh, for your multi-effects needs, uh, including the HX Stomp and the newer uh, Valatron Valatron, um, GP200 series. Um, We make the Stomper, which will prevent your knobs from getting smashed. Protect your knobs! And don't forget the soon-to-be-released Keeley Knob Stomper. What? Uh, you. <laughs> Anyways, hey everybody, have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe! Yeah. 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 Oh, you said, oh, my foot is so big and, yeah. I, and I stomp on yeah. everything. So if you make a four like that, yeah. And you can you put it on top Jared's there. got a size 16 foot, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was him saying, <laughs> big. <laughs> 15, but close enough. Yeah. How's you, the deck coming along? It's a pain. It's a thorn in my side. Plus I've never seen you. one of these outside of Disney World. And... Don't want to get on Jared's bad side. No. Both sides <laughs> block out the sun, so either way. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Sort it out. I'll take it over, look it over with the boys. That's like the, that's like the vultures from Jungle Book. Yes. What do you want to do? <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to do? No, no, don't sort this again. <laughs> I said dollar, like, you know, pounds to, uh, you know, pound for pound is best buck, best bang of the buck out there. Boy, I botched that. Hang on. <laughs> Tony's rolling his eyes at me. He's like, you're a moron. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it. Hang on. Uh, I learned about Michael Shanker, like a deep dive. You know, I knew him from Scorpions, but then I found out about UFO and was like, oh, wow, this is this is amazing. He doesn't listen to anybody's music. Yeah. Nobody's. Yeah, he said he doesn't want to be influenced by anybody. He's like, I don't listen to any rock music. Hmm. I see nothing. <laughs> I hear nothing. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. Shanker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jared is Jared is pressure washing his Jared wood. Is, yeah, he's got all these freaking. This deck is. He's gonna finish it. and He's never gonna go out on it. I know it. Yeah. He's never gonna go out on. Or it. Or the dogs are gonna get mud Why on it. I'm gonna go stand in. It's hot out here. I like air conditioning. <laughs> splinter in my foot. Oh, stupid wood. <laughs> I'm choking on the <laughs> water. <laughs> Woo! Sorry. That's it's, supposed to drink some water. That'll help. Uh, oh. Jared, say Donnie Iris, but like with the Italian accent. A Donnie Iris. <laughs> yes. Is that so Jared? Do you, do you remember Donnie Iris? No. You don't? Oh, okay. Visor thing that unrolls. Yes. They have to put it on the top part of the roof on the second story so that he wouldn't <laughs> hit his head on it. <laughs> I keep bonking my head on this crazy visor. <laughs> Stupid shade. Do what? You're great at this. What? Do you think of one while we're talking? I can't possibly. You can do it. I can't There's do it. There's so many things. I'm so tired, Todd. Things. I'm so tired. If you would have uh, let me know a half an hour earlier, no. I'd have been full I'm up. letting you know now, so in a half an hour, you'll be ready. <laughs> mm. I'm getting a firsthand uh, <laughs> insight to how this, how this boat rolls. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one. We have one oar, and we... <laughs> <laughs> we go in circles. <laughs> yes, and then I go in the other way, direction, so we straighten out. Yeah. And the, and the rubber, the rubber neck is... Um, You're a rubber neck. You're a rubber neck. Oh. I'm, talking to, <laughs> I'm talking to Bruce T. Bacon. Bruce T. Bacon. <laughs> Tell you Bring what. home. Bring that home the bacon. Gone fried up in a pan. <laughs> and away we go. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.